Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Sponsored in part by St. Louis Public Library. Featuring the birds and bees at Central Library. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel Hour. I'll be giving the tip of the trowel shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with questions, comments, concerns, or ideas. So, uh, Mr. Keller, before you take off, mm-hmm. uh, you're an expert on the Forest Park balloon race? Not really. Well, anyway, <laughs> maybe you know more than I do. Now, well, that the, could be. That when could the be. Energizer rabbit takes off, mm-hmm. he ends up wherever. Right. Now, is the idea of the race to land closest to the Energizer Well, bunny? what they do is the Energizer bunny goes somewhere and lands, and they lay out an X. And so the other pilots try to get as close to that X as possible, and they drop a bag of bird seed. And whoever drops the bag of bird seed closest to the X is the winner. Ah, what do they win? Uh, you know, that's a good question. Hmm, I was just curious. Probably a lot of hot air, <laughs> which you get free every day here on KMOX. Yeah, really? Yes. <laughs> you aren't kidding, yes. especially during the Garden Hotline. No that's doubt. That's why they call it Hotline. That's why the plants hot grow so well line. here, because we talk nicely to our plants and fill them with hot air. Right. I don't know. <laughs> well, thanks. Sure. Thanks for your insight. And folks, by the way, thanks for having me on your show where we can discuss plant selections, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds with the annuals. There are some annuals you can still, you know, stick out there. I will tell you, most of the mums that you would buy this time of year that are in pots, the chances of them, even though mums are perennial plants, of surviving our wintertime is going to be somewhat a little bit iffy. But, uh... They are spectacular, striking. I mean, the growers have done a fantastic job like they do every year. When they are in full bloom, it is nothing but absolutely striking. So in your annuals, just keep, you probably got, uh, if your annuals are in pots, uh, go ahead and feed them once more or twice more because you still got maybe two months of flowers off of the annuals, not only in pots, but the ones in the ground. Your summer bulbs, your uh, cannas, your caladiums, your elephant ears, all those kind of things. They're starting to head towards the downhill side of their life, but don't. it's too early to be putting any kind of daffodils or tulips in the ground yet For if you bought some new bulbs, let's say from Brightside St. Louis or something like that. Hold on to them for another several weeks. Your edibles, your ground covers, your houseplants, your lawn, your perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I like sharing my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offer for you to consider. Across the big board from me, it's Cole today. He's producing, so if you do call, Cole will just need your name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know what you're calling about or anything else. During the week, I spend my time doing landscape consulting and on the weekends, too. Today, after the show, I'm headed to Clayton. And uh, last week, where did I go? I can't even remember where I went. No, I went to... 
someplace way, 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 way in Franklin County. Doesn't matter. I'm just playing around. So anyway, lots of stuff goes on. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. The homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is. And I'll come to your home and do a walk and talk. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or situation that has made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden. In another couple weeks, on uh, October 5th, 6th, and 7th, I think, maybe it's only, yeah, 4th, 5th, and 6th, anyway, some some of those first, let's say, weekend in October, the Best in Missouri Market is going to be at the Botanical Garden. There will be 130 vendors at the Botanical Garden, and... Uh, You've got all kinds of stuff, crafted stuff, 30 new vendors, the event crafts, fresh and dried flowers, herbs, custom jewelry, baskets, handcrafted items, and everything else. Also, one of the coolest things is the kids' corner where crafts, barnyard animals, and face painting occurs. Also, a tip of the trial goes out to the St. Louis trash truck drivers. Now, it's refuse or refuse, but anyway, those guys, I live in the city, and the alleys in the city are not really all that wide. And also, they are at very strange angles how they run together. And the way these tr- these truck drivers have to orchestrate getting through the neighborhood to pick up these yard waste dumpsters and, you know, trash dumpsters and you know, things that have been uh, recycled dumpsters, it is just incredible. These drivers are absolutely fantastic. I walk in the morning, and a lot of times I'm out walking when these guys are headed down alleys and things like that, and they got to back up here and do this and do that and everything else. So anyway, a tip of the trial goes out to those drivers for the work that they do. It is absolutely incredible. So if you do have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Why don't we try to get a call or two in, and let's go to Kathy, and she lives in Winsville. Hi, Kathy. Hi, good morning. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a couple questions, if you don't mind. I have a Japanese, uh, I mean, a Chinese fringe tree. Actually, it turned out to be a bush. I need to trim it back because it's getting too um, out of shape. So when's the best time to trim something like that? Has it finished flowering? Oh, yes. It flowers in the spring. Yeah. So basically, if you've pruned anything that flowers in the spring, you know, this time of year, you're potentially cutting off the flower buds for next year. Okay. So if you can hold off on pruning until next year, then right after it finishes flowering, prune it at that time. And that's for anything that's, that's spring flowering, whether it's a PG hydrangea, whether it's a forsythia, whether it's a spirea or any or fringe tree. Okay. So my other question is, every year I have the same problem, and it's, I don't know if it's in the soil, if there's something that's bad there, but um, I have these uh, flowers, I call them turtle heads, uh, it's a pretty green leaf with a pink flower, and it gets like a they get like a bush almost. They're beautiful, mm-hmm. and the leaves are beautiful. But then I look out, and all of a sudden they're like on they're like they have a blight. They get like burnt. They look burnt. And I don't see any bugs. And then other things of mine have gotten that too, where they kind of look like they haven't been watered. But I water, and it's just like a blight. They're, they actually look like someone has burnt them. So I can't see. When do you put something on them even before they, this happens? Because it's every year, 
And they, they just start out to be beautiful, and then all of a sudden this happens. And it's not at the end of their just their bloom cycle, is it? No, no, no. Okay. It's really when they should be at their peak. And it's so discouraging because they, they're all summer, they're pretty, and then as soon as they bloom, and then it starts up right now, like this time, they're all just, they're just dead looking. And they're like they, someone threw fire on them or something. So it, yeah. the foliage and everything is black. Is that right. what you're saying? The leaves, the leaves actually, yeah, the leaves actually look like they burnt. So, it, you know, it must be some type of fungus. What type it is, I don't know. Would it be something in the soil? No, probably not. It oh, could be in okay. the soil from the standpoint, if you're getting this thing to repeat, right. the best thing you can do is at the end of the season, if they look horrible right now, cut them off and get rid of them. Don't let the okay. don't let them don't let the rain hit them. Don't let them because what can happen is they droop and just fall in that location, or the rain hits them. It can wash spores off for whatever's causing this, and wash it down into the soil. So the next year, when the new growth begins, it comes right through those spores and picks it up again. Right, that's what's happening. So. It, I thought there was something that I could put in the soil to kill these things. Uh, it's hard to say without knowing specifically what it is. I would say start off with just tr- you know cutting everything and keeping any plant that this happens to, uh, you know, get that debris out of away from wherever the, it happens to be. Okay, so yeah, because it's okay. So uh, and other other plants, if you see something happening in this late in the season like it is now, and they start to get kind of look like a maybe something bug-eating them. Do you, is it still good to spray them now, or do you just not, are you wasting your time? Well, you're not necessarily wasting your time. If it's a bug, you, the insecticide has to come in contact with the bug. If it's a okay. fungus, then, yes, you're just wasting your time. So, hmm. you know, you've got to stay ahead of the fungus problem, whether it's lawn or whether it's perennials or, like, powdery mildew. Things like lilacs get the powdery mildew, right. which is right. kind of a white cloud on it. Well, yeah, my balm um, gets it and lots yeah, of other bomb, things. Yeah, bee balm, yeah, uh-huh. So, but that's the same thing. The bee bomb gets the powdery on it. Now that's another thing I get. <laughs> and do you what do you do with that? It it happens and it's there, so it's too late to do anything about it. Yeah, this late you can't do anything. But next year, for, you know, again, clear all the debris, all the stems, all the leaves, and everything. Uh-huh. Get rid of it. You know, put okay. it in a compost pile or you know recycle it or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And what you have to do though is next year. When the foliage comes up and when they start getting, let's say, kind of mature as far as the size of leaves go, start putting a fungicide on every couple weeks. Just, okay, okay, just automatically put it on then, yeah. Right. Okay, okay, well, I appreciate it. What what kind of fungicide uh, anti-thing do you suggest? I would go to your favorite garden center and see what they have and see what they recommend. Recommend, okay. Well, I appreciate you. Thank you. Certainly. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored in part by St. Louis Public Library, featuring the birds and bees at Central Library. Now, once again, it's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, I'm very lucky to be associated with the St. Louis Public Library. The headquarters is right across the street from where we are broadcasting. Let's go over to Jay's yard, and he lives in South St. Louis. Hi, Jay. Good morning. I have about a three-foot-wide, 20-foot-long, very nice stand of yellow-leaf bamboo. I have a neighbor that has apparently planted clematis. And my question is, it's growing up into the bamboo. Uh, It's now blooming, actually. Um, Is that clematis 
going to give me a problem with the bamboo? Uh, for the most part, not. I mean, bamboo is pretty darn tough, and I'm assuming this has a white flower, this clematis, so it's sweet autumn clematis. I will yes. tell you, you know, it is very invasive and aggressive from a seed standpoint. So even if it's coming out of his yard, it could be producing seed that could be blowing and germinating and coming. That's why it's, there's so much of it around the metropolitan area. Years ago, I used to use it in design work, and then I started realizing this stuff is invasive. But it won't climb enough that it should really damage your bamboo. Okay. Um, Other than the fact that you're going to kind of lose the impact of what the bamboo is doing for you, as far as from an aesthetic standpoint, because it kind of, you know, it puts a a cloud over it. Yeah, yeah. But at this point, it's, it's, well, the bamboo is two stories tall now. Right. I've had it for about 10 or 11 years with your help. Um, so I just wanted to be sure that it's not going to uh, give me any real problems. So. No, it won't. It w- it's, if it was wild grapes or something along that line, yes, it possibly could. But if you have the Golden Groove bamboo, which it sounds like you do, uh, I mean, it's invasive in its own right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I well, I have a lot of concrete patios, so I don't uh, almost the entire yard. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about the seeding from my point of view. Yeah. But you're right. The seeds are blowing everywhere. So Right. Um, but the uh, other thing is, uh, and I've, I'm going to start the process of, of thinning out or the, some of the bamboo, the dead bamboo. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, I, I guess the clematis, uh, could it, well, yeah, it could be growing from seeds now up into my bamboo also, couldn't it? You know? Well, it could be, but if it's, you know, if you know where it's coming out of your neighbor, they could have, it could have originally not even been planted by them. The seeds could have just blown into their yard. Then it could have, you know, be close to you, and then it twines above them in and of itself. And then if it finds something to climb on, then it starts climbing along, whether it's a cyclone fence or up, whether it's bamboo. Yeah, oh, it's, it's up into the uh, telephone and electrical lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's not. Okay, go on. Yeah. I, you know, personally, I like it. I don't want it in my own yard, but when I'm walking around, I like the smell of it. The, the, the smell's kind of going away this late in the season, but uh, it's, I mean, it's really kind of striking, but it is invasive. So thanks, Jay, and now let's go to Vince, and he lives in Fenton. Hi, Vince. Hi, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, uh, I've been trying to uh, match wits with a critter in my backyard, and I don't know if I have enough wits. I may need more. Uh, you've seen the, uh, the movie Caddyshack with Bill Murray? Yes. Okay, well, what I see is spots in my yard about the so- diameter of like a soccer ball where the ground has been pushed up maybe about three inches. Right. And there are no tunnels around it like, you'd see, like I'd see with a mole. And what does that sound to you? This is a mole, actually. Moles have two different tunnels. The surface tunnel is one you can see. That's the one that they're, where they're eating. So, in other words, they're looking for worms, blah, 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 blah. Where you see this stuff being pushed up to the surface is the lower tunnel, which they use once they get full and they want to go back to their den. They use the lower tunnel, which is a highway. They can't raise that level up. So, what they do is push the dirt up to the surface. So, there is a tunnel, but it's just about you know, six or eight or ten inches down. Uh-huh. Okay, well, like Bill Murray, I've been running my hose down into that spot. And I, I don't know, I, 
after a few days, a few days after that, there's inactivity, and then yesterday I noticed the last mound was up again. Right. And I do they not drown? No, they, you're not going to drown them that way. And what they do is just like uh, you know the highway department. They're improving their roadway, which you know is their tunnel to get back them. to their den. I'm helping them improve with my. Well, well not really, but you're just you're aggravating them. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, the thing about it is, I've had moles before with sur- surface tunnels. I put right. traps out, and I've been very successful. But with this. Uh, I can't seem to reach them with a trap. They're too deep. Right, exactly. Like I said, the traps don't, traps only go a couple inches deep. So these right. these tunnels, the highway tunnels, are much deeper than that. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I have some mole and gopher pellets, but I don't know that they'd eat them. Or well, you couldn't even get them into the... You could, without knowing where the surface tunnels are, you can't get it to, you know, to where they're going to eat them. I mean, they've got the poison stuff you can inject that looks like a worm and all this other stuff, too. Right, right, but right. Uh, where they're actually feeding, they may not even be feeding in your yard necessarily. They may be feeding in some place that's a little bit, you know, across a property line or something along that way. Well, they came, they came from my neighbor's yard, and oh. he has a little garden area. Right. And uh, I could tell that that's where they came from. Okay, so uh, they're so, still uh, probably going back there to eat and then coming back to your yard to sleep. Okay, well, do you have any suggestions? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Sell your house. No, there's really keep going after them the way you're doing, and maybe you can drive them back into the neighbor's yard. Well, that's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah I could I'm, at least flush them back there if they don't drown. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's professional services, but they're going to come out and put traps. So, I mean, that's not going to really help you. I mean, there's yeah. going to be people that call in and say, we pour gasoline down this and do that and blah, 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 or you don't want to do that. Uh-huh. So, I am be- being outwitted then. All right. Yes. Uh, All yeah. of us. The mole's been around for a long time. Let's Is put it that way. Is the ground going to collapse around the area where they've been doing this? No. No? Generally not. They're smart enough. They don't want it to collapse. They want no, to have I a nice... No, they don't, but with uh, these deep tunnels and stuff, uh, I was want- and my water, I was wondering whether or not they're... Well, it do- wouldn't bother me if it did collapse. One more thing. There was a tree nearby last year that we cut down, and so there may be dead roots down there. Is that attracting anything? No. Or is that, uh, no? The roots are not going to die for a couple of years, and that won't attract anything anyway. Uh, all right. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored in part by St. Louis Public Library, featuring the birds and bees at Central Library. Now, once again, it's Mike Miller on KMOX. It's who? Mike Miller? Okay. Let's go to Anthony, and he lives in St. Charles. Hi, Anthony. Hello, uh, Mike. Thanks for the call. Uh, I have a couple questions. Uh, I had want like to know when to... Uh, trim hibiscus trees that's been in pots in the yard over several years when's the best time to trim them now do you bring, bring them, them inside in? do you bring them inside or this hardy variety bring them inside okay the so variety. basically uh if you don't pr- you probably brought them inside and so when you bring them in they're always going to drop leaves they're not going to flower all that well or anything else so pruning wise if you can hold off on pruning you know, from a size standpoint and everything else, I'd wait until the days start getting longer and then prune them at that time. So we're talking about after the first of the year. Okay. Uh, and my second question is, 
uh, several years ago, there was a blight that went through the city uh, and killed the trees. I don't know if the variety was an ash or what, but I believe I have that variety on my front lawn. And uh, for the last several years, the leaves have been turning brown and dropping off in uh, July and August. And I was just wondering if this tree should be removed or if it could be treated. Probably treating wise is not going to help that much, but uh, you know this is some of the trees just do that. There's no getting around it, and so if it's a maple tree, certain varieties of it seem to drop leaves early. Sycamores drop leaves early, but if it starts dropping in midsummer, you might want to have somebody come out and actually take a look at it to see if it's diseased. But if it looks healthy and wealthy and wise, more or less, uh, you know, as we're coming, as you know, when the leaves emerge in the springtime then it's probably more weather-related than anything else, plus maybe the exact locations having an impact, more so okay. than actually being an internal blight. Okay, now i got one other question for you. Whatever happened to all the white butterflies? You don't see the white butterflies coming around on the milkweeds and, and that in the parks. Well, did, did they... Uh, maybe you should come into my neighborhood. There is all kinds of them all over the place. White butterflies. Yeah, they're they're small. They're more or less moths than, rather than a yeah, butterfly. Right. right. Yeah. We've got them all over the place. You know, yeah. I mean, so just come into South right. City. You can see them. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Right. Okay, you come to a Cardinal game, come in early and just drive. <laughs> there you go. Thanks right. for putting me on your show. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Let's go to Villa Ridge and into Chris's yard. Hi, Chris. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Very good. Um I've got a couple things. One, I wanted to comment on the, uh, I just was down walking around my property yesterday and saw one small monarch. So I, uh, I'm very blessed to have uh, a lot on my property and, and it's fun. But uh, anyway, I had two, two areas of this property I'm trying to deal with. One of them is uh, um, I have an area where the horses have pretty much devastated it. And so I wanted to aerate it and seed it. And I was trying to figure out how long do I have to keep them off of that before I can let them back on. If I seed it, you know, I was going to do a fall seeding and let it grow and all that. Um, And the second question is uh, in the back part, I don't cut it, but about twice a year. So I'm trying to figure out it's probably up about, mm, two to three feet. Um, and so I was going to go back there with the brush hog and start taking it down. And I wondered how high should I cut it with the brush hog to keep from devastating or, you know, having too much uh, debris on it. Probably if you cut it off like at six inches or so, that should be adequate. Okay. And as far as keeping the horses off areas that have been recently seeded, it's it's going to be weather dependent. But uh, if you can keep them off for a couple months, that would be ideal. But if that's not possible, then you're not going to have any, you know, no other option because you want it to get well established, get, you know, as much as possible. And I'm assuming you're using a fescue type grass. Um, that's probably, yeah, that was what I was going to shoot for is just using aerate it and then use fescue right. and, and go into fall with that. And I could keep them off 
pretty much all winter if I needed to. I got plenty of other places for them. So. Well, I mean, it's a cool season grass, so it's going to do well. You know, it's going to germinate, get the, get the seeding done before mid October, and then it's going to look nice. And what you could do is just wait until it starts going, let's say, dormant, and then let them out because the grass is headed downhill anyway. I got you. Okay, well, thanks a bunch. Certainly, and there's plan on putting some seed out every, you know, every winter. You don't have to keep the horses off them all the time, but overseeding on a regular basis is probably to to the advantage. Let's go over to Breeze, Illinois, and into Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, say, a couple months ago, I planted my first hosta, and it had been doing very well until about one or two weeks ago when the leaves started turning brown. I guess that's normal. It could be. It depends upon variety. Usually when they start, it probably is not totally well established enough. And, the, you know, the d- days are getting shorter. And if any sun's hitting it at all, then that can turn the foliage brown. But uh, if it looks good up until this point, then you're probably fine. Should I trim it back at some point? Yeah, if once, I mean, they just get ugly looking. So if the, if the leaf is more than half yellow slash brown, whatever you want to call it, you can cut it off at that point at that time. Cut it down to the stem, then. Yeah, you can cut it all the way down to basically an inch off the ground. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Certainly, yeah. Hosta are quite tough, but uh, you know, I've had a couple of different varieties over the years. I like the big leafed ones that are kind of blue gray, but that's a personal choice of mine more so than anything. Let's now go from Breeze over down to Fenton and into Al's yard. Hi, Al. Al, are you there? Hello there, Mike. Yeah. Hello, Mike. Yes. Um, got two questions. Uh, in my backyard, I've got uh, an oak tree that's um, in between two maples, and they're about 20 feet apart each. And with this summer, the, the oak from the top just started turning brown, brown, and now all the leaves are totally brown, and uh, nothing else is, you know, that way in the yard um i just wondered if it was just a a unique watering system or or could that tree be dying well it could be there's a uh, actually a disease called oak wilt that does that you know that precisely that same thing it's hard to tell if that's what it is the competition with the maple trees maple trees have a little bit more aggressive root systems but uh-huh. uh, they all probably, since they, I don't know how big they are, but uh, they've probably got a relationship where the leaves or the root systems have interwoven among each other. So they've all held, you know, held healthy up to this point. And this year with so much rain early in the year and then so dry after that, you know, pretty dry yeah. after that point, it could be environmental related to, as much as anything else. So just wait until next year and see yeah, if it comes see back. see how much it leaves out. See if it does the same thing. If it does, then have an arborist come out and take a look and see if you do have oak wilt. Yeah, yeah, okay. One quick question about a bleeding heart that I transplanted from Wisconsin. Um, brought it down, uh, put it on our deck this year. It bloomed great. It was beautiful. And we still haven't figured out where we're going to put it in the yard. Is it? Is it... Uh, Okay, now to put it in the ground. Oh yeah, this uh, is a great this t- this time. Is, yeah, this is a good time. The ground is warm, so the root system can advance and get uh, well established enough to you know to make it through the winter time. Yep. Okay, and then I'm not going to water it. I'll just keep it in the in the good soil. Yeah, I mean you can water it. It doesn't you know. But so. I don't want the roots to freeze. 
<laughs> and actually, you know, the water helps insulate the root system. So that's what's, yeah. you know, that's sort of the advantage of watering it. Dry soil yeah. can be to the disadvantage because when there's dry soil, there's going to be air pockets. Cold air can sink down to those air pockets and actually do damage to the root hairs regardless yeah. of the type of plant. Got it. Okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. And maybe take a, okay, I guess we're going to have to take a break. But uh, one thing before we take a break, the annual cool season weeds that you would have been putting a pre-emergent down in August, they're really starting to show up. The henbits, the chickweeds, the annual bluegrasses, along with some other ones too. So if you start to see some weeds, you wonder where they came from, it's because they're cool season annual weeds. Uh, Mike Miller, we'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored in part by St. Louis Public Library, featuring the birds and bees at Central Library. Now, once again, it's Mike Miller on KMOX. Headed to North City, and we're going into Lisa's yard. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Good morning. I would would like to know how can I keep the worms off of my collard greens? And I have another question out listening on the air. How do I get rid of uh, daylilies? They're just taking over. <laughs> daylilies, I mean, dig them up and donate them to, I mean, there's several different organizations like Gateway Greening. They may even come out and dig them up for you and and get rid of them. But as far as, you know, keeping worms, caterpillars off your, your vegetation, your co- whatever it is, collard greens or anything else, pretty much get an insecticidal soap. And every time you see one, check on the underside leaf and then spray directly onto the caterpillar. Okay. There's no preventative type thing because those are basically baby, you know, moths. And so the the adult is flying around, happens to land on your, you know, vegetation and lays eggs and the eggs hatch and they become caterpillars. And the only way to get rid of them is then to spray directly onto them. And so insecticidal soap is safe for, you know, an edible type plant. Okay. Thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. And now let's go to Sally, and she lives in Creve Court. Hi, Sally. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. I have two quick questions. Uh, First is, when you pot your plants in the spring and you use potting mix, is it advisable or not to mix uh, fertilizer into that potting mix? Uh, Basically, it's not going to help all that much. So you're probably better off... I mean, because then when you start watering, it's going to be down in there and the plant has probably root system is not advanced all that much. And it's going to leach it out before, I mean, the plant can even absorb it. I see. Okay. So, the other, the other I mean, there used I to have... be a product called Osmocote, which they wanted people to mix in. But I don't even know if that's available anymore because it really was kind of ineffective. Well, I have seen Osmocote. I've never bought it myself, yeah. but I have seen it on the shelf. Right. Uh, the other question that I have is... Are you familiar with the um, the plantings on the overpass at Olive and 270? I you know I I can't say that I've actually gotten out and looked at them, but yeah, we get off on that you know exit ramp a lot. So okay, well there there are these containers, these pots, and they have a leafy shrub type plant in them where the leaves turn purple, they do not flower. At least I haven't seen them flower, but they are so beautiful, but it doesn't look like a woody plant, uh, but it does look like a shrub and the leaves are this purpley color. And I'd like to know what that is. 
I would probably you know maybe call the city of Creve Corps. Uh huh. And see, you know, because they may know they may actually do the the planting of that. It's I you see. know without seeing it, you know, and like I say, I I'm sitting there or driving by as we're getting off on the exit ramp, so it's a little tough to tell. Okay. But, uh, if if they are planted in containers, they are probably not winter hardy though. You would have to, since you don't know what the plant is, the only way to make them winter hardy, if they could survive the winter would be to put them in the ground, not in a container, correct? Generally, that's usually the case, but not always necessarily. If It could be a perennial plant, you know, not yeah. an annual type thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks so much. Yep, I'll take a mm-hmm. look at them, and if I, you know, can figure out what it is the next time we're headed out that way. Now okay. let's Let's Thank go you. now to Jennifer's Yard in St. Louis. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Mike. <laughs> Quick question. I am... Um, I haven't had a chance to trim my boxwoods and the shrubs in front of my house. Is this a good time of the year? I mean, I even have an azalea plant that's blooming right now. Yeah, I mean, the sequence of azalea sometimes can be off. Nothing you can do. I don't like to prune going into wintertime. So, you know, that's my personal thing, especially any kind of broadleaf evergreens, like the boxwood azaleas and things like that, because you're cutting off stuff, you're exposing twig ends, that have been protected by the outer growth that you've cut off. And then if we have a severe winter, it, you, you could get some major damage as a result of that. I, on broadleaf evergreens, I like to wait until we're coming out of wintertime, sometimes around, sometime around Valentine's Day. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, it's a, it's a screwy world out there. And now Chesterfield is where Scott lives. Hi, Scott. Hey, good morning, Mike. A um, couple quick questions. I've got a spot in my yard about a foot and a half in diameter. I guess the best way to describe it is it's very boggy. Uh, What do you suggest putting in to try to get that sponginess out of the lawn? Uh, Can you put a shrub there? Or the only thing you can do is elevate, you know, if you don't want to put a shrub there or a tree there or something like that that can handle a wetter soil, uh, what you got to do is bring in some, like, topsoil compost mix and just raise the elevation of that spot. Okay, and that segues into the next question. I would like to uh, core aerate and put compost on the lawn this year uh, within the next couple of weeks. Right. Uh, how sh- how short would you suggest cutting my grass? I wouldn't cut it, you know, any shorter than you normally do this time of year, which is about three inches or so. Okay. Very good. Hey, thank you so much for your help. Certainly. Have a great weekend. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, and for anybody that has a low wet spot in your yard and you don't necessarily want to try to, you know, let's say elevate the spot, I mean, there's a shrub called red twig dogwood that does quite well in a wetter soil. If you get the one with the variegated leaf, you get the white leaves all summer long. Then the wintertime when those leaves fall off, you get red branches. So it's a shrub-type dogwood that can take wet soils. Normal dogwood cannot. Let's see. Now let's go to Matt in Columbia, Illinois. Hi, Matt. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. I am calling. I've, I've always had cool season grasses in my yard, and I now moved into a house with uh, Bermuda grass. Ooh. And I don't know exactly how to take care of that as far as fertilizer and maintenance schedule. So I need, uh, need your help. Basically, you do nothing this time of year. No coration, no fertilizing, no nothing. You wait until next year when everything starts greening up. Then that's when you start doing the fertilizing program. That's when you do the core aeration and all that stuff. 
All right, so more of a springtime program for that. Absolutely, because it's going towards dormancy. You do stuff now, you could really do some major damage to it. All right, well, that is what I wanted to know. All right, great. And then the other question I have, too, is if it gets some weeds that grow in it, um, can you use, you know, like a a 2,4-D on it or not? Yeah, you can, I mean, as long as it's labeled, you know, that it's not harmful for Bermuda grass, you can use anything to, you know, control the weed circumstance. So it's just read the label first. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yeah, I would think it would be pretty safe because that's what golf courses use in a lot of circumstances. And it doesn't look like, Jerry, we're going to be able to get to you today. Sorry. So, But uh, call next week, and we'll get your questions. Thanks, everybody, for calling in. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, thanks for having me on your show. It's quite a wild fall season. I just can't wait until it actually starts cooling down a little bit. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.